Hello, and welcome to the Commander Theory Podcast. I'm Nick Beatman, and I'm here with my friend, Zach Mack. Hello, theorists. So we just got all the information on the pre-constructed decks for the Brothers War. These are the two commander decks for the set, Urza's Iron Alliance and Mishra's Burnished Banner. So in this episode, we're going to be going through each deck individually and discussing all the new commanders and cards being released in it. But before we jump in, I want to briefly talk about our Patreon. If you head on over to patreon.com slash commander theory, you can support the show and get sweet benefits, including ad-free episodes for as little as $1 a month. If you aren't ready to be a patron yet, you can help us out by rating or reviewing us wherever you get your podcasts. All right, with that, let's start with Urza's Iron Alliance. So we're going to be discussing just the commanders and cards from this deck first, and then in the second half of this episode, we're going to be discussing the Mishra deck. Do you want to start us off with the face commander, Urza Chief Artificer? Yeah, absolutely. So Urza Chief Artificer is a 4-5 human artificer, as his name says, uh, who costs 6 mana, so 3 white, blue, black. But wait, he has affinity for artifact creatures. So for each artifact creature you control, uh, he costs 1 generic less. Uh, He says artifact creatures you control have menace, and at the beginning of your end step, create a 0-0 colorless construct artifact creature token with this creature gets plus one plus one for each artifact you control. So this is also I'm probably the rest of the episode because this will come up again. Just going to call these constructs just because that's kind of what the community has ended up calling these tokens where they're like as big as your artifacts. So every every turn, every end of every one of your turns, um, you get a construct, and that that's it. That's all he does. <laughs> um, what's your what's your initial take on this guy? I think uh, it's honestly one of the less exciting commanders out of um, this batch of decks. Like it, it is nice that you know it will reduce its own cost and of course reduce the commander tax as well. Um, but just in terms of like giving my artifact creatures a weak form of evasion and making one new guy a turn. I'm not incredibly excited by this, although there are certainly ways you can um, get a little bit more value out of this. For example, um, you know, you can copy the end step trigger with like a Strionic Resonator, or you can copy the or double the number of tokens being made with like an anointed procession. Um, You can make it so that hitting with your artifact creatures is a little bit better. Um, There was that, I mean, there is, of course, like things like biden of thassa or coastal piracy there's also that card that was released in the kamigawa neon dynasty commander decks that says artifact whenever an artifact creature you control is deal combat damage to a player then you draw a card so there's a couple options just to make the menace matter a bit more um but overall i'm not incredibly stoked about this um do you have any thoughts on urza I've always want well okay the first thought is just a wish I've always wanted them to do like um I was trying to scryfall all the name of the card as you're talking the uh you get an extra upkeep but it's you get an extra end step um card so like a flipped version of that to like double triggers like this um but for the most part uh the only things that are like really crazy here are either just playing more artifacts or like populating and since you're in white, you get like Song of the World Soul, um, and you can play 
some like utility spells, reborn defenses and stuff to save all your guys and make make them bigger. Um, but that's pretty much it as far as tech. Like really, like, I think you hit the nail on the head unless you're just going to try and um, hit them with something like, let's say, oh, what's the um, opposite um, coastal piracy? You hit them. Larceny? Larceny, yeah. So stuff like that is like going to be pretty good here, especially if you're making like a bunch of artifact tokens, perhaps some mirror or constructs or servos, you know, mm-hmm. things like that. But yeah, I guess yeah. Gix is also good here. Yeah, Gix is going to be good here. And Gix is uh, a card that we will talk about uh, eventually. <laughs> but <laughs> if you're listening, you've probably heard it. It's the long and well, the, the short spoiler version is it's kind of like Edric, but uh, black, mono black. So uh, if you can imagine a mono black Edric, being good here that's uh, because you're right so <laughs> uh but i mean do, do you want to just keep on moving this next commander has like a lot more stuff going on so urza obviously face card for the deck for urza's iron alliance but uh who is the lieutenant do you want to get into the 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 next commander for this deck yeah the next commander is a weird one um it's like incredibly cheap but it takes forever to get to the point where you can actually <laughs> activate him so yeah. it's like you can play him on turn two if you want to but like you're you're really not going to have anything to do for like several turns after that um, but this is Thanos solemn survivor it's one of the blue for a one three legendary creature human artificer it has two tap create a token that's a copy of up to one target artifact token you control mill two cards and then it also has one white, blue, black tap, sacrifice two artifact tokens, exile an artifact or creature card from your graveyard, create a token that's a copy of the exiled card, except it's an artifact in addition to its other types. Activate only as a sorcery. So if you want to activate the first ability, you have to have an artifact token on the battlefield. Um, and if you want to activate the second ability, you have to have two artifact tokens and an artifact or creature card in your graveyard. So just like a lot of setup for this guy. Um, you could, like, I guess in the early turns, you could just try to like make a clue really early and then like make copies of your clue, but that just doesn't, you're basically paying four mana and tapping your commander to draw, <clears throat> to draw one card per turn. So that's pretty underwhelming. Um, I think if you're, Using this guy, I would imagine you're trying to make copies of big things just to maximize the value of that ability. Um, So I was thinking there's about a dozen cards in this color identity that can make token copies of non-creature artifacts. And Mm -hmm. most of them come at a pretty bad rate. Yeah. Um, So, you know, it's not incredibly exciting to pay like six mana for a stolen identity or something i mean yeah i guess that one has cypher but there's a lot of even worse ones like sahili's artistry it's just like very large amounts of mana to do this but in contrast there are a ton of cheaper cards like three to four mana that allow you to make token copies of creatures so i was thinking like you could just run a bunch of the more impactful artifact creatures like Meteor Golem, Angel of the Ruins, Noxious Gear Hulk, Duplicant, things like that. And then use like, you know, Quasi-Duplicate or Cackling Counterpart or any of the many, many 
three to four mana make a token copy of target creature spells um it's granted that that is a little bit slow because all those cards i'm all those like artifact creatures i mentioned cost six to seven mana but you could also cheat it a little bit um you could also just run like good creatures and then plan on running a critical mass of like tutors to find liquid metal torque or liquid metal coating. Mm-hmm. And then once you do that, um, you can basically like all your copy, all your like good creatures and your effects that copy make token copies of your good creatures. That all works fine. And then once you do run into like your liquid metal torque or liquid metal coating, then that just like activates your commander and allows you to sort of take the next step of copying your copies for very little mana. Um, so that's kind of where I was at. I just, I just felt like the base gameplay of that deck was fairly solid. Like you're not relying on your commander a whole lot. You're just playing good creatures and copying those creatures. And that is a fine way to win a game of magic. Um, but again, like that, that could be a downside if you really want to like make Thanos hum. It's it's not about him so much in that case. Yeah, yeah. Um, I want to briefly take one second to talk about the second ability. I, I just don't know if it's worth it to really try to make that happen. Um, like, if you want to make it happen early in the game, you need to ways to get good artifacts or creatures into your graveyard pretty early. You also need like artifact token fodder. Cause I imagine if you're trying to do this early and often, you're not going to try to get like tokens that are copies of like good creatures or something. You're just going to get like treasure or servos or something else crappy. And I feel like this is a whole lot of work and it, really dilutes the quality of the cards in your deck so i don't know if it's worth a whole bunch expending a whole bunch of effort and resources to to make that second ability happen when i think it's just better off to do the plan of i will play the good cards and in the event that i draw one of these liquid metal cards then my commander can contribute to my game plan i think that's cool i think that's a cool take i i also do want to say like there's a decent amount of things that just make artifact tokens like fairy artisans and like echo storm and like things that aren't like crazy yeah the, crazy those are definitely you know? worth mentioning yeah those are yeah. some of the good ones so like i think if i i like thomas because he's pretty open-ended like you can go the route you're saying like play like your cool good things and then make something happen but i also do think that like you could just put as many like treasure and mirror makers in as possible and then like your end game is like a masterful replication which is like make all your artifacts target artifact and stuff like that like ooh, that's a cool I, idea i don't think i i think that's this guy is like many decks and that's why it's kind of hard to like pin him down because like you're saying there's like a lot of weird angles and like his second ability is really weird and i i do agree with you i think no matter what like his second ability is kind of gravy on the gravy train it's not really like what you're focusing on yeah like not to say you can't but i think your deck will be a lot 
more like uh oh it'll work more like a well-oiled machine if you uh don't focus on that one um but like there's a ton of stuff you can do there's like the prototype portals and things like that there's um there's just a bunch of things that you can you can make it happen and like you said if you're going to rely on your sahili's artistry mm, probably probably don't <laughs> like maybe you wait uh try to go back to the drawing board on that one think about something else but if you're going to like do a bunch of sharding sphinx shenanigans and something like that like i think that's pretty cool i think that's fun and i think that you could have a lot of fun with it so um this design right here like we've been hearing a lot about commander design from like when we were in bellevue or um this this weekend when these were spoiled this was at the magic 30 celebration and they had a Q&A panel with a bunch of Wizards employees and they talked about casual play design and commander design. And I think Taunus is like spot on to everything that they have been saying where they're like, we're not really building for power level. We're not trying to optimize. We're just trying to like create fun gameplay patterns. And that's what Taunus looks like to me, at least, you know, like the fact that like someone could look at Taunus and be like, I'm going to make as many prosperous pirates as possible. And someone can look at Taunus and go like, I'm going to make as many, uh, I don't know, power stone shards as possible, you know, like <laughs> whatever it is. Like, I, th- I think that is the sign of like a good commander and, um, means that you're going to see a lot of different Taunus decks if, if he picks up. But I also think that, when they make commanders like this, they don't tend to be super popular, you know, when it's like, they're very good for people like us and like you listeners, like might be hearing Thomas and be like, Oh, this sounds awesome. But it sounds uh, like a, yeah, it is like a Johnny card. Mm-hmm. But, um, cause I really like Thomas. I think he's cool, but, uh, turns out like the ACs, the tyrant of Gary Straits are a lot more popular with mm-hmm. Joe Schmo, you know, on the, on the street walking through, walmart or target looking on the shelf so uh i don't expect him to be super popular i don't expect to see him everywhere but i do think some people are really gonna like this guy mm-hmm. um All and right. that yeah let's get oh oh no we have one more we have one more commander i was yeah i was about to say and in both of these decks they have um given you not like a I wouldn't say like a bonus commander, but just like an extra legendary creature that is in one of the deck's colors. So this one is Sanwell Avenger Ace. It's one in the white for a 3-1 legendary creature human pilot. As long as an artifact creature you control is attacking, prevent all damage that that would be dealt to Sanwell Avenger Ace. And whenever Sanwell becomes tapped, exile the top six cards of your library. You may cast a vehicle or artifact creature spells from among them, then put the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. All right. How do you feel this compares to some of the existing uh, vehicle commanders? Uh, pretty good. <laughs> I mean, I think in some regards, it's kind of um, you're, you're in white, so you're mono white, so you're missing some of the tools that other colors might give you, per, like red or um perhaps blue or something but this is a pretty strong ability like if you build your deck properly like this is gonna work pretty well for you you know yeah i mean it beats the hell out of Depala. like just its ability is so clearly better in yes. every way <laughs> yeah um so i i'm a big fan of it it's it's cheap 
it three power is pretty good at crewing a lot of the most important vehicles. Um, and just to give you a little bit of deck building information, uh, we, we ran it through the hypergeometric calculator and 23 vehicles and or artifact creatures in your deck will get you an 80.5% hit rate on this, uh, this tap ability. And then if you've got 30 vehicles and or artifact creatures, that'll give you a 90.2% hit rate. So just keep that in mind as you're building your deck. You don't want to go too far below those thresholds or or you really want to make sure you're maximizing the likelihood that you're going to get cards off of your commander. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And and like I said, like it's, it's pretty easy to like, well, I guess I didn't say this yet. It's pretty easy to throw like a mirror token down or a servo or a thopter and uh, attack with this to make sure that like you can kind of be reckless and it doesn't matter. You know, you're always going to get that extra card that you're casting off the top. Um, so that's pretty cool and fun as long as there's not like some infector wither going around your <laughs> meta then you can pretty much just always attack with Sanwell and always cast your your free card you know and that game's gonna go pretty good for you you know and it comes it's turn two it comes down turn two <laughs> so you're gonna be getting to cast those things like pretty consistently which is pretty awesome so yeah all things considered i really like this guy all right uh with that we can move into the main deck cards from urza's iron alliance uh we're gonna start off and and i guess i should say this here um there are a lot of artifacts with colored mana symbols in their text box. So we're going to be lumping them in with the appropriate color identity rather than hitting them at the end. Uh, and one kind of funny thing about this um, about this product, like in comparison to say the Neon Dynasty commander decks, um, is there are no colored artifacts in it despite, you know, making sense for a lot of them. I think the reason they relied so heavily on artifacts with colored activation costs rather than colored artifacts is because they this whole thing is in old border and that's the only way you can get the cards and they haven't worked out how to do like colored artifacts in old border. It just looks like a card of that color and like nothing on it in the frame indicates that it's an artifact. Um so I, I think kind of a weird issue where just like the aesthetic choices of the deck and like how they wanted the cards to look kind of guided their designs. Yeah. And, and I do also want to say just cause uh, we hadn't talked about, I figured we were going to talk about this at the end, but if we've gotten this far and haven't mentioned that all these decks are entirely old border. So um, the extended art, I think that you'll get in, like set boosters and collector boosters for commander cards aren't um, old border. I'm pretty sure those are that, new that border. But um, if you buy this deck off the shelf, like at, like I said, at a Target, and Walmart, your local game store, wherever you see it, it's going to be entirely old border. So aesthetically, these decks are going to look um, a lot different than <laughs> most commander <laughs> decks we've gotten lately. So uh, all of that said, um, can I read off this first card please go for it yeah yeah so this is kayla's music box Uh, this is a legendary artifact costs two mana and it says white tap look at the top card of your library then exile it face down you may look at it anytime 
and then it has tap until end of turn. You may play cards you own exiled with Kayla's music box. So this is really, really close to just mono white card draw, you know, like this is, I think the closest we've gotten to just a white card quote, quote, that just says tap draw card, you know? Uh, I like that, you know, it's not, unlike a lot of other things, it's not really reliant on what your opponent's doing, and it doesn't really force you to build your deck in any particular way. Like, you can slot this in anywhere. Um, But it is, I mean, it is worse than drawing a card in a couple ways. Mm -hmm. Like, for example, if you hit multiple lands, then when you turn it on, like, you can like you're not gonna be able to make your land drops with the cards you're exiling off this. Um, and also like, you know, whatever turn you decide to tap it in order to play the cards is a turn. You're not adding more cards to it. So it, it's definitely a little worse than straight card draw. I really wish that there were some sort of commander out there that was like a, um, I don't know, like a drum bellower for artifacts or, or like an unwinding clock or something that, cause I think if you were activating this multiple times per round of turns, then it would get really exciting. But I just think if you are using this card entirely fairly, um, I think that just the rate is not exciting me. I don't know if I would really want to, I mean, maybe, maybe in like a really desperate mono white control deck, but I'm, I'm not happy about this card yeah no that's exactly what i was gonna say though is that i think i actually like this card specifically for like grindy mono white control like it's a deck that is probably not going to be very popular in your play group you're gonna rely on probably a lot of like land destruction and and things we're going to talk about in the set are pretty good at that with with, uh keeping the board clear and whatever um and in the main set bro that we'll get to in a a little bit you know don't hold Hold your horses on that one because, well, I guess maybe I yeah, just hold your horses. It's going to be here really quick. But um, I I actually do like this. Like, I know it is slower, but the fact that it is in mono white is is pretty cool. Um, It's basic. I mean, if you're tapping it just alone without like a voltaic key, without any other kind of shenanigans, doubling, untapping, whatever, then it's basically just draw an extra card like every other turn. And I think white has needed that a lot. And this is pretty silly. You can also like save up the cards. Um, but then if it gets blown up, the cards also kind of get quote blown up. So careful about that. But I, I I agree. It's totally slow. But this is just a cool tool that we haven't had before. So I'm excited to see it. I guess that's kind of where I'm sitting on it. I'm happy to move on to the next card. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So this one is... Uh a lot to talk about with this one this is another sort of experiment in white ramp uh, this is scholar of new horizons it's one in the white for a one one creature human scout it enters the battlefield with a plus one plus one counter on it and it has tap remove a counter from a permanent you control search your library for a planes card and reveal it if an opponent controls more lands than you you may put that card onto the battlefield tapped if you don't put that card onto the battlefield put it into your hand then shuffle so uh, a lot to say about this card. I will say that, like, the base case of it, just like running it entirely fairly, does seem a little bit weak because you know, you, let's say you play it on turn two, then you're not going to be able to activate it until turn three. The land comes into play tapped. 
and then turn four, you get to untap with one extra mana. So I don't think that's really compelling compared to just like any kind of signet or just like two cost mana rock. But there, I think this card shows or like has a lot of interesting characteristics um, for that, that just maybe like hint at potential new veins of design. Um, and there are one or two decks where this could be pretty interesting. So in terms of decks where it actually like might be worth considering, I was looking at like Dina Air, um, the card from the, the second Baldur or Battle for Baldur's Gate, Commander Legends 2. Mm-hmm. Because that one grants your creatures with tap abilities like kind of pseudo haste. Although even in that case, like you'd still it wouldn't really help you ramp that good. It's yeah. useful like after you draw or after you drop your Dyna Air, but then it's like, okay, so turn five, I'm really gonna go off with my two cost ramp card. Um but let's just talk about like the characteristics of the card and, and what makes it interesting. So Unlike a lot of catch-up ramp, this is something that you can activate at instant speed. So, you know, the Knight of the White Orchid or the dog that's kind of like a white of the Knight of the White Orchid or like Cartographer's Hawk. Or there's just a bunch of these effects that only work on your turn and usually do it like as some sort of trigger that's not easy to time. So uh, it's all those cards are like can be pretty weak if you're like going first or you're just like early in the turn order. Um, But with this one, you have a little bit more flexibility, like you can activate it on an opponent's turn um, like or you can activate it in response to you cracking a fetch land. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I like like those ones a lot. Yeah, yeah. So you have a little bit more control over like what people's land counts will be when it, the ability actually resolves. So I I think that is pretty compelling. Um, And of course, like the base case we've been talking about is just, you know, it, you use it once and then there's no other counters to feed into its ability. And so you're done, but there are decks that can provide a lot of counters for it. And so it becomes like, potentially ramping every turn provided like somebody continues to race ahead of you. I don't know how likely that is. It is kind of annoying that, you know, you don't have full control over your ramp, but that's just how white ramp is going to (laughs) be. Yeah. I think it's cool. Um, Even, even if you're not like full on ramping, the fact that this, like the technology that it puts it into your hand is pretty cool because you can end up doing stuff like you would do with land tax or something like that where you're like, okay, well I, if I have this extra card in my hand, then I can like pitch these things and basically like sculpt my hand and thin out my deck and stuff like that, which is pretty cool. But I was just going to say there's more, uh, graveyard matters stuff these days too, when it comes to lands and white is getting more things and white want like having eight cards in hand at the end of your turn is probably good because white is getting more reanimation. So that's, That's, that is an excellent point. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah, what were you going to say? Just that like there are circumstances where you can um, 
mitigate the removing a counter cost. Oh, so, yeah. Like, for example, like sagas are really hot right now. We're seeing them in a ton of sets. And this is one of the like few generically good, I mean, well, quote unquote, just like cards that grant you resources without a lot of requirements for your deck. Like, it's not terrible to run this card. And if you happen to have like a saga based list, then you can also use it to tick your sagas back down again and like hit old triggers and and sort of keep them around longer. So I think this is like a a really interesting card for saga decks. Um, Although, and also worth noting about this card, like it doesn't say basic. So even if you're running like a five color saga deck, you can just grab your your tri lands or your shock lands or whatever. It also works really well with like cumulative upkeep if that's something you're you're building around. Um, there's also just random cards that uh, like accrue counters really easily and don't let like to the point where they stop being useful. Like you get diminishing returns off of them. So like Luminarch Ascension is something that like once you hit the threshold of four any additional counters you get are worthless. So that's something Mm. you can feed into the scholar Um, or something like quarantine field where like it enters the battlefield, a bunch of counters and it matters at that moment. And then never again, Um, or just like there's a billion cards that add plus almost one counters to themselves or to other creatures like with Cathar's crusade or something you won't miss. (laughs) uh, You won't miss one or two of those counters if it helps you hit your land drops. Oh, and speaking of hitting your land drops, like it is cool that uh, it is a you may to put the land onto the battlefield tapped. So you can, uh, if you aren't going to play a land otherwise, you can just play it untapped and get an extra mana that turn otherwise. Yeah, I'm trying to remember the um, the name. I'm having such a hard time with names today. So I think we're going to see this guy in Felidar Retreat pretty often together just because of that exact thing like oh, yeah yeah it's a good know, synergy like you're just never gonna like all your guys are gonna have vigilance and get bigger all the time you don't really care about the counter in this guy or maybe one or two other guys because everyone else is getting counters and if he, he's tapping to use his ability like you just pull the pull just pull it off of him it's fine so that's a card that i figure we're gonna see with this guy a lot but i think that the overarching point about this guy is that this is a lot of cool new technology in a vein that we've been seeing them test out and i'm very happy with that you know um more of this this seems great i love this guy he's techie in like a really cool way um and i'm good to move on if you are uh yes yeah this next one is pretty um it's it does what it says so march of progress is a three mana sorcery two and a blue it says, choose target artifact creature you control. For each creature chosen this way, create a token. That's a copy of it. And you're like, that's kind of a funny wording. Why is it worded like that? Well, it has overload for seven. So six and a blue. Uh, so if you overload it, it's uh, choose each artifact you control. For each creature chosen this way, create a token. That's a copy of it. So uh, yeah, well, you know where, where would I run this? Well, just kidding. You know where you're going to run this one. Um, do you have anything? Any insights you want to talk about with this one, or um, do you want to keep on moving? I, mean, I think we can keep on moving. I don't. Uh, yeah, it's pretty obvious. Like if you know that your artifact 
creature density is really high, then just keep on. Yeah. I mean, run this card in your deck. Easy. Yeah, absolutely. And there's just a million good artifact creatures to copy. So you're, you're fine. Target one of them. You're good. Um, I, okay. What, what, I will say one quick thing, like in Brutaclad, you can like sort of overwrite everything and make them all artifacts, like make them into mirror tokens and then make copies of everything with this and then switch them back to some other better creature later. Oh, that's true. That's pretty cool. Yeah, that's, that's all I have to say. Let's yeah. move on to the next card. Yeah, Brutoclad has an embarrassment of riches at this point, you know? It's pretty... True, true. It's, it's, yeah. All right, next card is Wire Surgeons. It is four black black for a 6-5 creature human artificer. It has fear. Interesting. Um, and each artifact creature card in your graveyard has Encore. Its Encore cost is equal to its mana cost. So as a reminder, uh, Encore means you... If you exile the card from your graveyard and pay its Encore cost, then for each opponent, you create a token copy that attacks that opponent this turn. If able, they gain haste, sacrifice them at the beginning of the next end step, and activate only as a sorcery. So uh, I don't love this card. I think like six mana is a pretty big investment, and then it you have to... I mean, assuming you play this like as soon as you have six mana, you'll probably have to wait a turn to untap and then use it um and it's it just seems like quite slow your opponent can just like kill it before you untap with it or before you have the mana to do anything and i don't know i i don't love like paying six mana for a card that allows me to pay more mana to do something else (laughs) yeah this is very so the the main thing i want to say about this card is that there's going to be a few cards that we're going to talk about in the set that are like throwbacky so the fact that this has fear you know is a kind of throwbacky they're like oh you know things had fear back back in the day back in old border so here you go here's some fear on it but yeah i agree with you this is very much like a old school battle cruisery type commander card and if your play group is into building up to 14 mana and then crashing into each other like go for it and if not you might just not end up playing with this guy and that's kind of how i feel about him you know um i guess with that said if you're good can i move on to this next one yes yeah so this is wreck hunter so this is a 2-2 human artificer for two uh so black black and it has flash and when Wreck Hunter enters the battlefield, choose target player. You create a tapped Power Stone for each non-land card in that player's graveyard that was put there from the battlefield this turn. And just a reminder, Power Stones are artifact tokens that have tap, add, colorless. This mana can't be spent to cast non-artifact spells. Um, so this one's weird to me. Like, there, I've never necessarily liked these cards, these gotcha cards. Um, I've pretty much only used uh, cards like this, when the, uh, the Collar of the Claws and things like that, to combo. Uh, I, I'm not usually putting them in my deck to be like, haha, got you. You thought that Wrath would ruin my day? Well, now I got a bunch of Power Stones. You know, like, but if you're into that or if your deck really wants artifact tokens, um, then maybe I was thinking, this is fine. 
I was thinking like maybe if you're a black control deck and you've got a commander that has some sort of activation cost, um, then you could consider running this. Like maybe you do something where you're you're playing like Geth, Lord of the Vault, and your deck runs a bunch of board wipes, and so you will like cast board wipe plus wreck hunter in the same turn. Um although God, like ooh, it's it's rough that that it like doesn't count tokens. It's only like literal creature cards or literal permanent cards hitting the graveyard. Um, but anyway, you could do something like that and then funnel your, your power stone mana into like guess activation or something. Similar commanders might be like Drana 1.0. Um, or, oh I, yeah, I mean, that's true. I was thinking like maybe shatter gang brothers. Um, yeah, that one was cool. I saw you put that in the notes and I was like, oh yeah, <laughs> that's cool because the, I think Power Stones are really good there because one of the problems with him is that that just costs so much mana. But if you have like four or five Power Stones helping you churn out some activations, that's pretty good, you know? I'm, I'm into that. Yeah, and like you can sort of stack or like you can, if you have like five mana available, you can play Wreck Hunter and like sack her to the shatter gang's activation like with the etb trigger on the stack and then maybe get one more guy into the yard to make it even better um and then yeah you can always sack your power stones if you have more than you really need and then just wipe out some of your opponent's artifacts so that's a possibility uh, but it seems like a pretty niche card you really i'm still having trouble judging how useful power stone mana is yeah and I'm kind of defaulting to just like I need something that can use it in the command zone because it's too hard to figure out like what other cards in my deck can use it. It's hard to come up with like good rules of thumb for that. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I think as we play with them more, we'll figure it out and we'll update everybody. It might might be Power Stones just rule, but I, my guess is that they're pretty particular, you know, that you're going to be like, hmm this deck wants them and this deck has no care at all for power stone mana um so yeah wreck hunter weird um do you want to get into this next one this one's pretty funny to me at least yeah no this is a funny one uh this is hexavis so six mana for a zero zero artifact creature construct it has flying and it enters the battlefield with six plus plus one counters on it you can pay one and remove a plus minus one counter from Hexavis to put a flying counter on another target creature. And you can pay one and remove a counter from another creature you control to put a plus minus one counter on Hexavis. Uh, so the first thing I thought of, so obviously this is like a reference to Pentavis and Tetravis and uh, Triskelavis. Yeah. <laughs> but the first thing I thought of when I saw this card was uh, it combos with Devoted Druid uh to get infinitely large so you tap the devoted druid for green mana and then you put a minus one minus one counter on the druid to untap it and then you use that green mana to activate hexavis's second ability um and remove the minus one minus one counter from the devoted druid to put a plus one plus one counter on hexavis so infinitely large flyer and hopefully you can find a way to improve your chances of winning from there um, this card is also good for Hamza Battlebots. So Hamza, the 
forget his title, but he reduces the cost of your creature spells for each creature you have on the battlefield with a plus plus one counter on it. So one of the neat things you can do with that deck is just run a bunch of artifact creatures that have fully generic mana costs um, and enter the battlefield with a bunch of counters on themselves. And then you can just uh, cast them for free. So you get huge robots for no mana and you're in green. So you can just run things like Beast Whisper or the Great Henge or whatever. And um, get sort of churned through your deck as you're growing your board. So this seems like the kind of the archetypal Hamza Battlebot card. Um, and then one other thing I wanted to mention is just like between this card, like the, the ability to remove any kind of counter from another creature you control, or and like Scholar of New Horizons being able to remove any kind of counter from a permanent you control. Like I'm wondering if we're going to see more costs like this in the future, because I think it is really compelling. Um, and it does work well with all the things we we mentioned when um, we were talking about Scholar of New Horizons. So I'm, mm-hmm. I'm really hoping we see more of this because there's just a million things it works well with. Like if you have a critical mass of these cards in your deck naturally, then you can like let's say you're doing a saga deck and you just want these types of cards to reduce your um chapter numbers your chapter counters um you could you could also just like once you have a critical mass of them you could run things like lost oromancers which like if it dies and with no time counters on it then you get to search your library for an enchantment and put it directly onto the battlefield or you could run things like divine intervention and just like immediately tie the game. Um, I don't know. It it's, seems like a very interesting vein of design to see these multiple cards doing this thing at in one single deck. And I'm hoping that this is something they explore more in the future. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I, I really don't have much to, to add. I you want to just read off the last card in this deck then yeah absolutely so this next card is a thopter shop uh and i really like this one too when i saw it so this is an artifact costs three mana whenever one or more artifact creatures you control die draw a card this ability triggers only once each turn and then it has two white tap so three mana and tap create a one one colorless thopter artifact creature token with flying so can make a thopter once a turn and once a turn if something dies you draw a card hmm wow that's that kind of rules <laughs> this is <laughs> this is pretty cool so i mean the first thing is um it's kind of like a welcoming vampire in that like the white once a turn card draw thing uh and also like a welcoming vampire in that you have to have like a very specific type of deck to get the card draw out of it um but these are the these are the kind of decks that I like to play with, so <laughs> I'm pretty excited about this card. Um, do you have some insight you would like to to offer on this one? Uh, just that I think it's there's not a ton of decks that are naturally killing their artifact creatures multiple times per round of turns. Mm-hmm. Um, the and maybe that'll change in the future but the the one thing that came to mind was jan jansen um a lot of jan jansen decks they run things like drum bellower or white plume adventurer 
um, just ways to untap Jan multiple times per round of turns. Cause like the whole shtick is that you, if you like activate his abilities in succession, you kind of go up on resources. Um, mm. So if you are able to do that, if you are, if you have Jan out and you're able to untap him multiple times per round of turns, then this can draw you a, a bunch of car- multiple cards per round, um, which is kind of sweet. Um, and of course, it makes uh, artifact creatures that you can sack to his ability to make treasure. So could could be some good synergy there. Although if you're not able to like untap him and activate him multiple times in a round of turns, then it's not quite as compelling. Like just drawing one extra card per round of turns um, when you're in a black color identity, like you could just run Phyrexian Arena. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I can, I see that. Um, I think this is cool. Like if you are running like a grinding station for value, like there there's some cards that like, I think you can check off if you're running them, then you might want to run this too. So like Unwinding Clock, like if you're playing an artifact deck that likes Unwinding Clock, something like this might be good because there's uh, usually some decent sack outlet, like KCIs and stuff like that, um, which also goes the same for like Draw Scorpion. Like if your deck is running Draw Scorpion, then this might be a card that you just could slot in pretty easily if you're in the right color identity. and just as a reminder, because it's been uh, almost 20 years <laughs> since Draw Scorpion was printed, um, it's a 4-mana 3-1 artifact creature. It was a common for Mirrodin. Uh, and whenever Draw Scorpion or another artifact creature dies, you may untap target artifact. So um, if you're doing like kind of shenanigans with these kind of things, I think that's good. Also Clock of Omens. So it, that's what I would look at. If, if you have a lot of... If you're running KCI, you're running Grinding Station um those kind of things maybe look at this guy and if you're not um it is pretty niche you know (laughs) um there's also that one necron guy that we just got that you can pay one to sack an artifact to draw a card but like you said you're already in black if you're doing that so unless you're doing like really really heavy like white black artifact synergies you probably are just better off using just other card draw in black (laughs) so yeah, that's really that's where I'm at with this guy. I do like this card a lot. I think like more experiments. I like it. You know, more stuff, more toys. Love it. Love the toys. Um, and that gets us to Mishra. So now we are at Mishra's burnished banner. And uh, do you want to read off Mishra? This first the the face commander. Yes. So Mishra Eminent One is two blue, black, red for a five four legendary creature, human artificer. At the beginning of combat on your turn, create a token that's a copy of target non-creature artifact you control, except its name is Mishra's Warform, and it's a 4-4 construct artifact creature in addition to its other types. It gains haste until end of turn. Sacrifice it at the beginning of the next end step. So uh, this is like one really interesting component of this card is the fact that it changes the name of the thing you're copying. And that opens up some really cool combos. Uh, so for one, um, if you have a Mind Slaver out, then Mishra can make a copy of it. It will be named Mishra's Warform, so the legend rule won't apply. Uh, and so you can just you, sacrifice this token Mind Slaver, or rather this token Mishra's Warform, uh, 
control an opponent's turn and you can do this every turn and hopefully you will be able to win when half the players are under your control um i mean certainly it'll increase your odds uh, and then another cool thing you can do is you can copy Gonti's ether heart um so this is this requires some other engine as well or or at least a bunch of artifacts um but Gonti's ether heart is six mana for a legendary artifact when it or another artifact enters the battlefield under your control, you get two energy counters. And then you can pay eight energy and exile Gonti's Ether Heart to take an extra turn after this one. So if you uh, make a copy of Gonti's Ether Heart with, or, and have it be a Mishra's Warform, then that will get you four energy counters from the Mishra's Warform entering and then and triggering its own ability, and then also it'll trigger the other Gonti's Ether Heart. So that'll get you halfway to the energy cost on this card. And then if you can just have like another artifact enter the battlefield that turn, uh, that'll get you the, re- the remaining four energy, because your two Gonti's Ether Hearts will both trigger once, and then you can exile the token before you have to sacrifice it and take an extra turn after this one. So provided you have Gonti's Ether Heart and some way to make at least one artifact per turn, then that's infinite turns. So I think those are the two like most powerful things you can do with Mishra. They're, they're certainly the things I'd want to focus on with this deck. Is there anything else cool that you would want to do with Mishra? I think this one is definitely like a high-powered, low-end commander. I don't know if that makes sense. Like there's just a lot that you can do with him. I I think he's a pretty cool like generically Grixis commander. I don't know if that makes sense. Like generic Grixis artifact guy. Hold on, I, I've got I've got one or two things I, I could also mention. So this one's pretty silly, but this is a card that we will discuss in more depth when we do the actual set review for the Brothers War. Um, but. The Stasis Coffin is a three-mana legendary oh. artifact, and it has two-tap, exile the Stasis Coffin. You gain protection from everything until your next turn. Um, so you can just keep making copies of that. Again, it doesn't matter that it's legendary because the token copy will have a new name, and you can keep giving yourself protection from everything uh, every round of turns for as long as you want and or until somebody is able to disrupt this little combo you got going. Um, and then another cool thing, this one is really expensive, so hopefully your <laughs> Mishra deck has a bunch of ramp in it or some way to cheat artifacts into play. But Portal to Phyrexia is nine mana artifact. That when it enters the battlefield, each opponent sacrifices three creatures. Uh, it also has like a, a bet the winning of your upkeep, put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. It's a Phyrexian in addition to other types. That doesn't matter quite so much because the token copies aren't going to stick around. Only the original will give you that trigger. But just getting that ETB trigger every single turn is going to make it extremely difficult for your opponents to keep creatures on the board. Um, it is almost impossible, so that seems pretty good. So yeah, there's some cool tech with this commander. There's a lot of very powerful things you can do with him. But I, I think... Maybe we can move on to the second commander because this yeah. one also has a lot to talk about. Yeah, yeah, and we can move on to. Uh, can, can I read oh, it actually, off? Sorry, I will. Can I actually? There oh, is yeah, one yeah, more yeah. thing I want to say for Misha. Sorry, I just realized. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
it is worth noting that vehicles work pretty well with Mishra. Um, oh yeah, yeah. Because uh, they are their base state is not being a creature, but a lot of them have like attack triggers or combat damage triggers, or also some of them have like size. Or well, I guess size doesn't matter because it's going to be a four four. But mm-hmm. there's some cool things to think about. Do you, um, Do you think eggs are good here? Like, if is there a version of Mishra that like the beginning, like the early game, is like playing? I played some and crappy, making copies. Like, yeah, egg draw a card, and then I or actually like better. Uh, Icker Wellspring, draw mm-hmm. a card, make it a, and then later on make it a war form. I get a card when it enters, and then a card when it dies. Yeah, is that something? With a four four, that could be Maybe. something. I think the deck. I think there's so there's going to be like five incredibly powerful cards that like almost that like soft lock your opponents or something um, when you copy them with Mishra, and then I think that you are going to need like other stuff to fill out the deck and other ways to like dig out the really powerful stuff. Um, so I think that like running eggs as just like a thing to do with your mana in the meantime, uh, it sounds fine. I think that's reasonable. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, cool. Uh, I do, I do this. They really had to nail Mishra. Like if you're paying attention to spoilers at all, you know, we're getting a few Mishras and Urzas, but mm-hmm. they really, I feel like they really wanted to nail Mishra this time around because the first version it doesn't really work in commander. Uh, yeah, the the it ends up working if you want to make everyone hate you, but yeah. Um yeah, I'm really glad that they they kind of nailed this one and a few of the other ones. So, we'll get to those later. Um but yeah, can I read off this next commander? Go for it. Yeah, so this is Ashnod the Uncaring. So, we finally get an Ashnod card. Um Ashnod the Uncaring is a 1/4 human artificer with death touch for 5 mana, 2 blue black red. Uh, she has whenever you activate an ability of an artifact or creature that isn't a mana ability, if one or more permanents were sacrificed to activate it, you may copy that ability. You may choose new targets for that copy. So that's that's pretty good. Um, it's it's pretty funny because the first thing I thought about when I saw Ashnod was like how she really likes blood, <laughs> which is really <laughs> on theme for her as a character. Um, so that's pretty good, you know. Clues, pretty good. Again, Mind Slaver's pretty good. So you got two commanders that are really good with Mind Slaver in the same deck. Uh, Goblin Engineer, Goblin Welder, um, very good. So yeah, there's there, this just works with so many things. She's very, very powerful. Yeah, I, I will say that uh, Goblin Goblin Welder does not work. Oh, because does he destroy it? Well, it's like. It's not part of it's not part of the activation cost. Oh, um, I mean, it's good anyway because like your deck is probably going to have a lot of artifacts to flip between. Um, but yeah, it doesn't actually work with Ashnod's ability. Oh, hey, all right, okay. Um, I mean, yeah, I, I know that it is not. No, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah that makes sense. Okay, but yeah, uh, also, so we've been talking about some cards that are going to keep coming up. So, Liquid Metal Torque. It's pretty good. Um, oh yes, specifically you know. because, mm-hmm. um, like you're. I mean, this is a three color deck. You can run up to nine fetch lands or, or more if you include things like Fabled Passage or Prismatic Vista. And uh, if you make, if you use like a liquid metal um, coating, uh, or oh, actually, liquid metal torque doesn't work, so it has to be liquid metal coating. Oh yeah, yeah. Does that still lands. worth it? 
Um, uh, I mean, you're going to have so much value in this deck. It might be. Okay. I don't know, well, though. Yeah, maybe that's that's not something you'd want to do. But yeah, I'll, I'll mention Christmas the deck anyway. Land. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> if, if you use Liquid Metal Coating and target your fetch land, then it copies the fetch land activation. So, But I guess like Liquid Metal Coating costs the same as like a Mana Rock. And unless you get multiple fetches with it, it's probably just worse than putting like a, you know, arcane signet or something in your deck. Mm hmm. Okay. So, so maybe, maybe don't do that. Um, yeah. Glad that we one's a little through it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. It's good <laughs> for our benefit as much as the listener. So now you yeah. all uh, don't have to have to think about it yourself. Um, okay. But, but yeah. But so me... you, yeah, yeah. You have a list and it's pretty cool. Yeah. So we will uh, post a list in the episode description. Um, but there is just a lot of stuff to do. So, uh, as you mentioned, Mind Slaver is probably the big thing you want to do with this deck. Um, it's controlling two players in one round is bringing the, bringing you like pretty close to first place, I would imagine. But there's also just like a lot of really dirtly stuff. Um, there's just so many like bobbles that sacrifice to for like little or no mana to draw a card. And uh, so like paying one to two mana to draw two cards is a pretty good rate. And so you can like kind of do that to churn through deck, refill your hand, support like a, a suite of spells that are pretty controlling. You're on good color for spot removal and counter spells. So you can kind of just like play a controlling game get your Ashna down at some point and then use your bobbles and stuff to refill your hand. Even if you don't have Ashnod out, like worst case scenario, you're kind of just cycling these little things and drawing into more gas. But in addition to like the bobbles, there's also a lot of creatures that work pretty well, like goblin engineers you mentioned, but also creatures that sacrifice themselves for value. Uh, like Garza's Assassin is black, black, black for a 2-2. You can sacrifice it to destroy target non-black creature. Um, Goblin Crater Maker is pretty good at blowing up artifacts and dealing and pinging creatures for two. Um, I'm not going to mention all these, but definitely recommend checking out the list. There's a lot of ideas there for cards that double up their value and, and provide useful effects when you have Ashnod's out. Uh, or Ashnod out. And yeah, I do want to reiterate that Blood is really good in this deck there's only a handful of cards that like actually give you blood at a good rate but some of those but but like some of them go pretty hard for and for the amount of mana you put in and also given that they allow you to kind of spread your mana use out over several turns if you want to uh, i think it's pretty sweet like just like vampire's kiss is one in black for sorcery target player loses two life and you gain two life create two blood tokens seems terrible on its face but like in full like after you crack all the tokens with ashnods out it's sort of like four mana discard two cards draw four cards but you can spread that and, and of course like drain somebody for two but you can spread that out really well so you're like up on cards you get discard things that aren't useful maybe set up your graveyard it, it just like works pretty well i think this deck is really good at using its mana efficiently because there are so many like little baubles and cheap spells and blood tokens 
it just seems like there's so many like small increments of costs that do useful things for you that you can just like tap out every single turn just get like full utilization of your mana no yeah the that's i like decks like (laughs) i think like they they make the game go faster too that's something that like uh i i really like interaction i really like being able to respond to things but going like this 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 tap out pass uh is something i've been looking for in decks that like when i'm playing with people i haven't played with before if that makes sense like game one two i'm gonna play something like this and then game three if it went well maybe i can bring out some more interaction so (laughs) um yeah i like I like that style of gameplay. I think this is cool. All right. Uh, are you ready to move on to the last commander we're going to be talking about today? No, oh, absolutely. Yeah, can I read it off? Sure. And I say it because apparently that's this character's pronouns. I'm not sure. Um, so this is Farid Enterprising Salvager. Uh, this is a 3-3 human soldier for three mana. Uh, so two and a red. Uh, whenever a non-token artifact you control is put into a graveyard from the battlefield, create a colorless artifact token named Scrap. Um, so it's just an object. <laughs> it's just a scrap. Doesn't doesn't do anything. Um, and you can pay one in a red to sacrifice an artifact, and you choose one. Put a plus one plus one counter on Farid. It gains menace until end of turn. Goad target creature or discard a card, then draw a card. So. Um, there, there's a few things that are good with this in general. Like if you're having um, Alhamert's Archive or something like that, all of a sudden you're like pitching a card, paying two to pitch a card to draw two, stuff like that. Like there's a bunch of like mono red things, but I think the coolest part about this card is like you're gonna have a lot of scrap. <laughs> so do you want to talk about scrap? What you can do with it? The coolest cards that work with it. Yeah, so, uh, I mean, Scrap is great, Sack Fodder. Um, there's also other things you can do with it, but, like, uh, you can sack it to a Goblin Welder or Goblin Engineer, Audacious Reshapers, Court Clan Ironworks, uh, Kaldotha Forge Master, uh, Scrapyard Recombiner. So, tons of good sack outlets for just random artifacts that don't do anything. Uh, it also, like, can trigger, like, Quicksmith Genius or other cards that care about artifacts entering the battlefield or leaving um and then you can also tap them for value with things like inspiring statuary or clock of omens so lots to do with scrap uh but yeah i don't love just like the activated ability on this on this guy so much um i don't really care about giving him one counter and giving him (laughs) menace or like goading one creature or rummaging once. Um, I, I just don't think like the rate uh, on any of those is particularly good. So I don't like I th- I this think guy. It's fine. Like, ha- the, well, I wouldn't focus on it. I think what you're talking about, like that gameplay, is going to leave you in a place where this is actually going to be a pretty like interactive commander because you your opponent starts their turn, you have some mana up, and you go, "Hey, are you going to attack me?" And they go, well, I don't know. And you go, well, okay, well, now you're not attacking me with your, like, 7-7 flying commander, (laughs) you know? Like, Mm -hmm. now I'm goading that. Like, okay, if you're not going to play nice, you know? So I I think the option to do any of these things 
is good, even if I'm not going to focus on doing them as much as possible. You know, like the fact that the scrap is the main gameplay and then you have this option to rummage or the option to goad. I think that's actually pretty strong, you know, like not, not that I would focus my gameplay there. Well, let me ask you something like uh, how many scrap would you expect to make per turn on average once you have Farid out? Oh, that's a great question. I mean, if I can get like some kind of loopy thing going with like a scrap trawler or something like that, um, probably a few, you know, like probably like two or three, um, which is kind of what I would want to do with this deck. Um, like personally, I probably wouldn't go for a full infinite combo, but like looping things and just kind of grinding value out seems pretty fun. And in that instance, I think it's pretty reasonable to get like two ish, two or plus scrap a turn, you know? Um, okay. I was just like kind of thinking about like my reference point for this guy was kind of like Tago Goblin Weaponsmith. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's the same cost. He also makes uh, a decent number of um, just like crappy artifacts, except those crappy artifacts like can small creatures or you can combine multiple to kill a big creature i feel like the the base mode of rock or like what you can what you're what you cash in rocks for is more valuable than what farid cashes in scrap for Mm -hmm. um but i'm not sure whether you're going to be able to get more I, i think you would probably get more scrap than rocks unless you're in like a red green color identity with Tago and some green partner. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anyway, that's kind of where I'm at with this card. Cause like most of what you can do with, I mean, well, everything you can do with this crap, you can do with rocks. So kind of keep that in mind as you're thinking about building this guy. Mm-hmm. No, I think that's a good point. Um, yeah. And also notable Togo is a, uh, Togo is a legendary creature also. So, uh, even has another color if you want it. But yeah, we are in the the main deck cards, and this deck is uh, very smashy <laughs> compared to the last one is pretty techy. The Urza's deck is pretty techy, and as we get through these, I, I'm not going to have a lot of, to say about a lot of them because they all kind of do what they say. So can I read off this first one and everyone will see what I'm talking about? <laughs> sure, go for it. So this is Blast Furnace Hellkite. Um, it's a 5-5 five, five dragon for nine mana seven red red but it has artifact offering so you may cast the spell as though it had flash by sacrificing an artifact and paying the difference in mana cost between the artifact and this card so you sack a solemn simulacrum uh this card no longer costs nine it costs five um and it has flash so what does it do well it has flying and it has double strike and it says creatures attacking your opponents have double strike. <laughs> so <laughs> this is definitely like appeals to a certain type of player. I think like flashing this in, um, you have a five, five double striker and then like killing your opponent with your opponent's combat step. Like they're like, Oh, you know, I'll, I'll let that through. I'll take 10. And then you're like, well, actually it's 20 and you're dead. Um, <laughs> That's definitely a playstyle that appeals to people, but um, I think 
if you're not going to be running big things like so so for me this is something that uh, i might want to play in like i don't know rectus 2.0 something like that like perforos um the the second one um Mm -hmm. those were where my mind went first do you have some more some more thoughts on this guy yeah i think felden of the third path is another place that makes sense like um, I'm for sure not trying to pay retail for this. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I either want to cheat it into play somehow or just like be running a deck that naturally has a bunch of expensive artifacts and is okay with that sacrificing them. So like with Felden and Perforos, uh, the artifacts that those guys make are very time limited. Like they are going away at end of turn. So being able to then use them to play like this blast furnace hellkite that makes sense to me and then you know even if you aren't sacrificing things to pay for blast furnace hellkite this card kind of makes sense at least in the perforos bronze blooded deck just by itself because dropping in using perforos's activation to drop in blast furnace hellkite and then one or two other big creatures like that is kind of good enough on its own you doesn't have to stick around like it dealing 10 damage and then making your other creatures double strike as well. Like when the entire deck is curated to have just enormous beaters seems pretty good. So yeah. I think it makes sense in, in those decks for sure. And then I, I like what you said about um, Rakdos 2.0. That also makes sense to me. Yeah. I was also thinking like you could cheat a little bit in like a Brutoclad if you're doing like make things, tokens to copy with Brutoclad. Like, you can make your tokens kind of big for a turn, like flash this guy in to kill somebody or like an Alibu ancient witness is going to be playing like a lot of artifacts and like looping artifacts and stuff like that. So that, that might be somewhere where you would play this and you're going to be aggressive. And the, the last one that I just looked up as you're talking about is Jorkadine, I think is probably like, this is going to be your like a uh, crater in that deck, you know, like, I guess Dorkadine is your crater hoof in that deck, but you're absolutely killing people if you end up flashing this in mid-combat, you know? So um, that's where I would think about it. There's there's a, a Mishra that we're not going to talk about this episode that probably is good with this too, but well, I'll, I'll talk about that later. So um, do you want to get into this next card? Uh, sure. The next card we're going to be talking about is Glint Raker. So this is three and a blue for a one three creature Drake. It has flying and it gets plus X plus O where X is the highest mana value among artifacts you control. When Glint Raker deals combat damage to a player, you may reveal that many cards from the top of your library. Put an artifact card revealed this way into your hand and the rest into your graveyard. So I don't think this goes into just like generic artifacts deck. Um, Like let's say you're running a deck with a bunch of artifacts and you can consistently get like a four or five cost artifact onto the battlefield by the time you're swinging with Glint Raker. Um, so let's, so let, let's say he's hitting for six hypergeometric calculator, like says that you have to be running a pretty high density of artifacts to hit off of like five or six power. And so, like, 
basically this it seems like this would mostly be at home in a deck that's got a high density of artifacts but if your deck is built such that it wants a really high density of artifacts then you're really like being careful about what non-artifact cards you're putting in there and so the fact that this card is not itself an artifact and the best it can do is kind of like get you one card per turn maybe hit somebody in the air and then fill your graveyard i don't think that like uh crosses the threshold of like how good a non-artifact card needs to be to fit into these heavy artifact decks like i would put a goblin welder or like an or like a um oswald fiddlebender into an artifact list because those things can offer like huge value for very low cost but for four mana i don't know like i'd I'd rather just run like padim console of innovation because that will probably also draw me one card per turn but it also protects my artifacts really well um Mm -hmm. No, yeah, <laughs> I I kind of I agree with you. I think this is like a funny version of like a Padim, basically. Like it's one that requires a lot more hoops to jump through. And I think who this appeals to are like people who will just jump through a hoop <laughs> and they see it. They're like, oh man, yeah. Imagine getting the bigger artifact. Like reading the card, going, oh, I can get a bigger artifact off of my hit from this guy. Yeah, I wasn't super excited about this card. But again, this is another... Uh, our first main deck card, big boom boom. Second main deck card, uh, attacky boom boom. Uh, do you want to get into our third card, which is not a, a... Well, I mean, it can be a big boom boom, I guess. But do you want to get into think, this yeah, one? I think this is more interesting. This is Machine yeah. God's Effigy. Uh, it's four mana for an artifact. You may have Machine God's Effigy enter the battlefield as a copy of any creature on the battlefield, except it's an artifact and it has tap, add blue. Uh, so notably, it is not a creature. Um, and then it also just has like tap, add blue, so that if you choose not to make it a cop of, copy of anything, it's still just like a four-cost mana rock. Uh, this, I mean, it looks a bit like a Phyrexian Metamorph if you squint a little. Um, So that means it works pretty well with like Scrap Trawler Loops, um, Goblin Welder, Master Transmuter. Like it is just kind of sweet to have an artifact that is like an artifact clone allows you to get the benefit of just like big, powerful, expensive creatures that happen to be on the board. Um, But you can use usually like pay a lot less mana for it and feed it into your engines. So I think I, I would say definitely put this in your dirtily artifact decks. I think it's a pretty neat card. I yeah. Know if you have anything else you want to add? No, I, I, you pretty much hit the nail on the head. It's really good in loops. Uh, I think the fact that it types for blue is hilarious. Like that's mostly there to just gatekeep white decks. You can play it in, um, which, you know, that's fine. Whatever. Mm-hmm. Having a, an artifact, a non-creature artifact that can become some cool, uh, cool creatures is a just a cool little space to to play around with. So, do you care if I read off this next card? Oh, let me let me say one more thing about oh, this. Sure. Um, yeah, there is some. I mean, well, actually, I was going to say there's combo potential, but that's obvious because there's tons of combo potential with uh, <laughs> with Phyrexian Metamorph. So, never mind. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. You can combo with it, and it's great. Um, 
So this next one is uh, Terrasier's Devastation. And I think I said that right, right? Terrasier? Oh, man, um, I am not the guy to ask about pronunciation. I, I've only ever read this word. So, Same. So if I said it wrong, let me know. But this is a black sorcery. It costs X, two black, black. So X and four. It says you lose X life and create X tapped power stone tokens. Then all creatures get minus X minus X until end of turn for each artifact you control. Um, so this to me immediately stood out for like, uh, um, what's his name? Streffen. That was the one that I was thinking about. Cause you end up with so much blood. You really don't need to like put that much mana into it to like wipe the board. Um, assuming that you're okay with Streffen dying, but like mono black artifacts or like black artifact decks aren't like a super popular archetype that they've been designing for until recently. So um, do you have any, any insights? Like where would you want to play this or what are you looking for if you're going to play this? Uh, so I was thinking like Geth Lord of the vault that is more of a controlly deck. Um, and you're like when I have played Geth many, many years in the past, um, it was kind of focused on like I would often choose to get mana rocks out of my opponent's yard rather than getting their creatures because the mana rocks fed into more activations and then I could just get the creatures later. So the fact that the deck just naturally wants to pluck artifacts out of the graveyards onto the battlefield will make Teresier's Devastation a pretty effective board wipe on its own. Um and also like give you more mana to pump into it if you want to make more power stones, which of course you can then funnel into Geth's activated ability. But maybe like vehicle decks as well, because they put a lot of artifacts onto the battlefield, but they don't tend to commit a lot of creatures to the board because like your your vehicles are your creatures, and they also like tend to be interested in running board wipes because it is convenient to have like this army that is only creatures some of the time so i think that could make sense but again but i'm not sure if those decks well i guess you could just run it as the base case of like two black black and not worry about the power stone creation because maybe those decks don't have a good outlet for them um well I, i guess you can just tap the mana to Tap them. I keep forgetting you can just cast artifacts with power stones. Like you yeah. have like <laughs> activated abilities and like taxes and alternate costs. Like oh, yeah, okay. cycling. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I guess that's something. Um, but re- really, that's. I don't think there's a huge number of decks that are interested in this card. No. Uh, again, this is a cool tool, and it's like something that's going to be sitting here until we get more places to play it. But I, I do think it's cool. I think it's interesting. All right, so this next one's going to be pretty quick because he's a big boom boom. Um, This is Scavenged Brawler. Uh, So they did bring back the cool little uh, uh, tombstone image in the corner of this card to let you know it's active in the graveyard. Uh, This is a 4-4 artifact creature construct. It costs 6. It has Flying, Vigilance, Trample, and Lifelink. So you get a 6-mana, 4-4, Flying, Vigilance, Trample, Lifelink. 
and it has one ability. It says five exile scavenged brawler from your graveyard. Choose target creature. Put four plus one plus one counters, a flying counter, a vigilance counter, a trample counter, and a lifelink counter on that creature. Activate only as a sorcery. So sorry, no combat tricks. Um, so there's not a lot to say about this other than like this is like Skullbriar's like wet dream. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> this is Skullbriar's like dream play. You drop this, uh, whatever, who gives a crap about what happens to it? You pop this five mana on Skullbriar and he is just living large, you know, your your commander's just having a great time. So um just as a reminder to everybody, because Skullbriar also came out I guess he was printed again in double X or two X two, the double masters. But um he was from I think the original commander decks. Um and uh Skullbriar the Walking Grave is a one one for black green, so two mana. It's a zombie elemental with haste. Uh, Skullbriar, the Walking Dead deals. Whenever Skullbriar deals combat damage to a player, you put a plus one plus one counter on it, and counters remain on Skullbriar as it moves to any zone other than a player's hand or library. So as long as it doesn't get bounced or shuffled in, it keeps all of the counters on it. Uh, so that's command zone, graveyard, exile, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. So um, that's it. I, I don't think you're you have much to say about it, being that this is a big boom boom. Yeah, I'm. I'm not very compelled by this card i'm happy <laughs> to move on but thank you for for mentioning that skull synergy that's pretty cool yeah so if you're a skull player a cool new toy um and other than that yeah that's what's the next card uh next card is smelting vat it is four mana for an artifact one tap sacrifice another artifact reveal the top eight cards of your library put up to two non-creature artifact cards with total mana value less than or equal to the sacrificed artifacts mana value from among them onto the battlefield and the rest on the bottom of your library in a random order. So you get rid of one artifact, uh, you get two more that total the mana value of the other one. Uh, and I was thinking this could be pretty sweet in like Felden or Perforos, um, just as a way to get value off of artifacts that were going to die anyway. So Felden makes artifact tokens, uh, Perforos and drop in artifacts at a reduced cost and have them die at the end of turn. So that might make sense. Although, I guess with Perforos, you want to make sure that your deck has a high enough density because lots of Perforos, I mean, Perforos allows you to drop in red or artifact creatures. So it may not you be the case that you have uh, enough for this to be good. You definitely want to check the hypergeometric calculator, make sure that eight cards will have you know at least one artifact for you to flip into but other decks that can work with this pretty well um like decks that commanders that can recur artifacts so you can like mm-hmm. recast whatever spency artifact you're sacrificing like enrakir um ozgear echo glissa 2.0 or emery lurker the lock all those commanders are able to like either cast or tokens of things out of your graveyard so that could make sense maybe just like i don't know if i like the gameplay of just not having some way to either like get higher mv things without fully paying retail for them or like recur the expensive things i've already sacrificed um just because i don't like the randomness of i'm trying to like 
sacrifice a six cost artifact and get another six and just keep going. Like, I think without Mm. some sort of commander or like deck building restriction to tilt the scales in your favor a little bit, um, I, I don't like the idea just like, you know, rolling the dice on this thing. This card, though, I do want to say has made me um, reevaluate um, a certain like class of cards that we've seen over the years, um, which is in particular like uh, cards that are like sacrifice this thing to do this thing uh, that might have a big hoop. We got a few of those in like new Capenna because of the Riveters. Um, I cannot remember the name of it off the top of my head uh, we got like one for enchantments with like enigmatic incarnation from theros beyond death oh, which like is birthing like birthing pod type thing kind of like or... birthing pod but like like things where it's like sacrifice a creature to do a thing um and the thing is like not that much value and this is like a an archetype of card that they print a lot right like they're constantly printing cards that are like sacrifice a thing to do something uh, and you're like, why would I ever do that? Well, mm-hmm. I think they're actually pretty good in lists where, and, and this card kind of made me realize it, um, where you're sneaking things onto the battlefield. So any like sneak attack deck, or if you're like focusing on like an Elvish Piper or something like that, any deck where you're like Riveter's Ascendancy is really going off, like. I'm going to relook at these cards again. So I think that's where I'm at with smelting vet also is like, if I am cheating big things into play that are going to die or get exiled or something like that, why not pay one to get even more value off of it? You know? So that's kind of where I'm at with this. If I'm not cheating the first part, like getting something big onto the battlefield, I don't really care about, the rest of this card mm-hmm. but i think it's really interesting in decks like that so like um filled in stuff like that i think you you mentioned some other ones that are pretty good with this yeah um i i think i'm ready to move on to the last card if you are yes absolutely so this is a wondrous crucible uh, and this one is um silly <laughs> so this is a seven mana artifact it has permanence you control have ward two Okay, sure. At the beginning of your end step, mill two cards, then exile a non-land card at random from your graveyard. Copy it. You may cast the copy without paying its mana cost. Sure. (laughs) I don't know. I'm not sure what I want to do with this. Like, the first part, your things have ward is like, not nothing, but it's not worth seven, you know? Like... This is not anything I would ever pay that much mana for. Exactly. Like you will need to, or or like this will need to be around for your opponents to cast four spot removal spells on your things. Like basically the ward will have to trigger four times for like it to have cost your opponents more mana than you spent to cast it. Mm -hmm. Um, So I I don't know if that's likely to happen. Um, Yeah. And then the second ability, I mean, obviously they, they did everything they could to make it as difficult to game this ability as possible. Uh, the fact that it like 
not only chooses things at random, but also like adds more cards to it to prevent you from like pruning your graveyard with like a withered wretch or something. Um, just means like you're going to have almost no control over this uh, unless you get extremely lucky and like only mill lands so that I, I mean, still it's like for seven mana. Yeah. Can I just do the thing. Can I just mm-hmm. please do the thing? Do you have to have like two layers of play design handicaps <laughs> on my seven mana card? Really? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you could probably tell from my tone of voice that I don't love this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm not quite sure like what decks want because like if you're playing a bunch of interaction, um, okay, so you mill two and then you hit, I don't know what like Assassin's Trophy, like a some shatter variant or something like that. You're like okay, um, then your deck is just full of stuff and you pay, paid seven to like get free flashback sometimes on cards that you might not know. But then if you're trying to cheat like big stuff into play then you can just do that other way. It's <laughs> like, mm-hmm. like if you, especially like if you want to cheat artifacts, that's what goblin welders for. We've been using it for years now. You know, if you're trying to treat cheat creatures, like both white and black and green, like there's a lot of ways to do that now too, that you can just get what you want. So um, this is very silly. Like my guess is that in the pre-con meta, like these two decks versus each other, this card is fun because the, game's probably good I'll like turn like 14 15 and then this will help you like grind out a victory but um i i don't really think i'm gonna use it for that purpose ever outside of that context so I, just I know a I funny card yeah, yeah. <laughs> just a weird card um i think it's also just they wanted to come up with the splashy seven mana card to sack to your big dragon you know that we first talked about the blast furnace hellkite they wanted to put in some splashy things because i think there's like um oh actually i haven't seen the whole list so i can't say anything about that but i'm assuming there's some more big mana uh, artifacts in this list um but with that um we've talked about all the new cards in the decks um as we mentioned before they are all old border so before we get into mechanics i want to ask you like how do you feel about that, like the aesthetics of the deck and the choice to make these commander decks entirely old border? So I like the option of old border. Like there are going to be people out there who want to have their like entirely old border commander deck. Um, and so this gives like a ton of pieces for that, not only with these new cards, um, but also with like the reprinted staples as we often see. But, um, and I would be more annoyed if we didn't have like the, um, set boosters and collector boosters to give us the like extended art, new border versions of these cards. Um, but I wonder like how much, how expensive those are going to (laughs) be. Like, it seems like it is an, it's, I don't think that's fully going to uh meet the demand for like mm. new mm-hmm. border versions of the the new cards in this um granted like most of these cards aren't especially powerful uh i, I don't think there's any like new staples in here um 
well maybe maybe machines got uh, maybe machine gods effigy as like a bit of potential in like a lot of other artifact decks mm-hmm. yeah no so, yeah, I, I think so too i i think looking at all of these it's not it, i think it was safe to make them all old border because there's just not a lot of people who are going to be clamoring you know yeah so i mean it's cool I, I like the option like i have an old border cube where every card is old border so uh being able to get a lot of these staples in that form is cool uh, i'm glad that there is an option for people who don't like the old border um i think as long as they continue to make it an opt-in thing it's fine but i would mm-hmm. prefer if there were just like two versions of each deck one with all old border one with all new border rather than having to like deal with the set boosters and collector booster versions that are probably going to be like harder to get and more valuable than these old border versions mm-hmm. yeah the, i i do think that that is going to be like i i think that there are going to be people that want to play with mishra and they're going to pay a premium price for their their desire <laughs> to play with a non-old bordered mishra um and that kind of sucks you know um it, I, I on the flip side i'm pretty sure that it means that these cards will be pretty cheap in general because like you said there's not a lot of new staples um and if the old border ones are very prevalent then that means it'll just be pretty easy to pick them up Uh, i really like old border stuff but i also uh, especially after going through this whole set again i'm like oh there's actually like a lot of stuff about the new border that i missed (laughs) like the collector number and stuff like that the set codes and whatnot that are just very easy to read you know it's a little hard to read some of the names on say like white on white uh, for white cards or uh, other things like that, you know? So, yeah, um, I just don't like, I think wizards really needs to just pay somebody on their team to develop a old border frame for colored artifacts. Um, cause, cause I really do think that like it restricted the designs in this and it's kind of weird to like, let the just aesthetics of the cards guide the design rather than like what's the best gameplay yeah <laughs> yeah i think that's interesting that was actually going to be my next question is how how do you feel about the design so you've you've gotten into it yourself um but yeah the i think it is interesting to i i, I don't know if they like made the whole decks based on that but i definitely feel like if they had a choice um that aesthetics would play a role in they went on that route so like the um what's the the guy the six mana guy who gives your stuff encore and he has fear like there's no reason that this card needed to look like it does but it looks like it does for aesthetic reasons you know like the same with um i don't know like the all of them the glint raker the the scavenge brawler like a lot of it they made a lot of like choices just based on what the card is going to look like together and that's kind of i think we can have a little bit of that for fun you know as a treat but it was pushing it this time (laughs) you know like 
Mm-hmm. I feel like we could have gotten um a little bit a little bit uh better stuff, but this set in particular, we we already mentioned some of the cards that we're going to talk about the full set review. Um it's just going to be a doozy. There's so much there's stuff. a lot of yeah. I mean, a lot of great tools for artifact deck artifact decks naturally that's kind of obvious, but uh I'm already seeing like new things that I would have no trouble calling new format staples. Um, so I, I think that maybe this, uh, brothers war set review that we're about to embark on, uh, I, I think we're going to have an easy time when it comes to the predictions for, for what's going to make a splash in commander. Cause there's just, I think there's going to be some powerful stuff to talk about. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, yeah, excited about these decks. Honestly, I, I know the Mishra deck, the new cards are not, um, not the most exciting, but I, I do like Farid. Um, I like Ashnod and Mishra. And that's usually if the commanders are cool, then that's enough of a reason for me to like the deck. I, like I said, Taunus, I think is pretty rad. So um, yeah, I think these are cool. I think they'll be fun. Uh, I'm really excited to play them against each other. Um, and yeah, if you, uh, if you're ready, I think we can say goodbye until next week. Yes. Uh, so before we go, I want to give a brief thank you to our Patreon patrons. They are Gustav, Addison, Rick, Raphael, Kyle, Laser, Charlotte, The White Clays, Hannah, James, Logan, Roger, Bryce, Dylan, Benjamin, Jamie, Matthew, Kyle, Brandon, Kevin, Jeremy, Russell, Dylan, Micah, Troy, Roxanne, Charles, Daniel, Andrew, Jason, Paul, Johan, Jonathan, Christian, Jim, Andrea, Vasilios, Logan, Frugal, Brutal, Carl, Oscar, Danny B, Jean-Francois, Drew, Recta, Nick, BJ, Cameron, Valerio, Zach, Quincy, Carrie, Stephen, and the Longs. Thank you all for supporting the show. And if you're not currently a Patreon patron, but would like to become one, please check us out at patreon.com slash commander theory. Thanks for listening. You can reach out to me on Twitter. I'm at commander theory. And on Twitter, I am at fat Bartleby. You can also email us at commander theory at gmail.com. Our theme song is Lincoln Continental by Nick Cage. You can check him out on SoundCloud. And if you're interested in some other creative products I'm working on, I have a band you can check out. We are a pink punk, pop punk band called The Have Nots, all one word like Cosmonauts. Uh, you can listen to all of our music for free right now. You can just head over to thehavenots.bandcamp.com. That is T-H-E-H-A-V-N-A-U-T-S.bandcamp.com. And check us out. Let me know what you think.